You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Reflect on the great things that God has done. And, and as I look ahead with anticipation and what God's going to do and our vision for the new year, what He's going to do for His glory and for His namesake, uh, I, I, again, I think about the people who have prioritized God's great purpose for their lives for this time, all right? I'll say that again. I think about the people. When I think about the work of the church, I think about the people who make it happen. I think about the people that we are reaching. Man, it's about souls, isn't it? It's about people. It's about making a difference in somebody's life. Man, listen, the church uh, is not to be a monument. The church is supposed to be a movement, amen? Uh, And it's not supposed to be a machine. Some people try to make the church a machine. No, no, it is a movement of God Almighty. It is a work that God is doing to change lives. And so when I think about people who have prioritized serving God, I I think that there's people in here today that are like the children of Issachar in 1 Chronicles 12, 32, but where the Bible says they were men that had understanding of the times. Men that had understanding of the times. We have some men and women that aren't oblivious. Uh, they know what time it is, amen? We have some people here, they know what time it is. They know what's going on in the world, their understanding of what matters. That helps us to prioritize. The Bible says this in Romans 13, 11, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. And that's talking about the return of the Lord. I mean, there are those here today who were like Esther, who embrace the great truth that you are in this place at this time for such a time as this. Esther 4.14, you have a purpose, and God has a plan for your life. And when you can grasp that and understand it, and I believe that I say it, if, if you have talked to me much at all, and, and, and especially some of the newer people, but if you've known me much at all, I say it, and I believe it with all my heart, we are here for such a time as this. We are on this planet. We are in this place. I'm convinced that if you were to to look at our background over the years, that if you were to look at our, there went a rock. Uh, If you were to look at our background over the years, you would say, what are the odds that we would ever end up in the same place together, working for the same purpose? I mean, there's some of us uh, that people would have projected to be on a much different path than what we're on today. But here you sit today. I can't help but think of the humor in this. We obviously are a Baptist church, and if you know anything, all that means to us is that we just preach the New Testament. We preach the Bible, and the Bible is our sole authority of Scripture, and that's what we practice and believe. But uh, there are some of you that would thought to yourself, if you would have been told you'd be sitting in a Baptist church and enjoying it uh, one day, you'd have never believed that, right? Uh, But here you are today. We are here for such a time as this. I mean, listen, those who have been gifted by the Holy Spirit of God, those who who are vital members of the work to God's answer to this age. God's answer 
to 2023, to the 21st century, folks, is the local New Testament church. And I say that this is a remarkable thing, is it not? Jesus came to this world, and He came with a purpose. He came to with a plan that would change the world. Now we know, number one, that is the plan of salvation. Uh, the plan of salvation. He came knowing that man needed forgiveness of sin. Man's deepest problem today is sin. And Jesus came with a plan to take care of the sin of mankind, the wonderful plan of salvation, which is for Him to go to the cross, pay the wages of our sin, which is death, die there on the cross, and rise again the third day. Pardon my voice, I'm... Still going through maturity here. Um, so it's cracking a bit today. But think about it for a moment. Jesus did not come to start a political system or a political party. And there are some of you Republicans that will disagree with that. But Jesus did not come to start a political party. Jesus did not come to raise up a great army. He didn't say, I'm going to change the world through politics. And he did not say, I'm going to change the world through force. Jesus had another idea. So somebody says, well, Jesus, wow, how are you going to, how are you going to go about changing the world exactly? And Jesus says, well, I'm going to start a church. I'm going to start the church. Well, what are you, what's the church? Well, I'm going to, through the plan of salvation, I'm going to save some souls. I'm going to forgive sins. I'm going to, the, the Holy Spirit of God is going to come in and, and change people's lives and empower people for the work that I've got for them to do. And they're going to come together in their communities under spiritual leadership. And I've got this whole thing figured out. We don't think about this kind of stuff much, do we? But can't you imagine somebody back then saying, well, Lord, that's a, Jesus, that's a horrible idea. Because did you not know that the moment this group of people start going around and saying Jesus is Lord, that Caesar's just going to snuff this thing out. Right? And that's what Caesar indeed tried to do. Many, many, you know, one Caesar after the other. You know, so, so, so don't you know that, uh, that, the, that, that Caesar will snuff out this work, this plan that you have? And then somebody else says, well, that's a horrible idea because Lord... There's going to be pagans and heathen that as soon as you go try to tell these people that their God is not the God, they're just going to kill them. And there goes your church idea. It can't spread. It'll never make it out of Jerusalem. If, if it gets, spreads, begins to spread throughout the Roman Empire, it'll be done. But if you somehow do get out of the Roman Empire and go deeper and deeper, they're just going to kill your messengers. And on top of that, there's going to be false teachers and heretics that are going to infiltrate this place and begin to teach false doctrine. All of these things are, there's truth to all these things. But the difference is, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of God. <laughs> You know, but if you think about it, it doesn't really make sense if you put it in those terms. But it has indeed. The church, God's idea, has indeed changed the world. 
And I wished I had time to begin to enumerate those for you today. I wished I had time to talk about how the value of human life began to change. I wished I could tell you how immediately in the, in the, in the work of Jesus Christ, number one, on down to Paul, that he called women fellow laborers. Common ground. Together we serve. We're on equal footing here. Jesus allowed women to speak to him. Women weren't supposed to speak up in the presence of men to a rabbi. Jesus allowed it. I mean, listen, the value of human life I mentioned. Folks, I mean, it was no big deal under not only just the Roman culture, but across the world, people would kill their kids like they'd kill a rat. If they didn't have space for them, time for them, it was a girl, or there was a disability, whatever. I wish I could talk about the hospitals. I wish I could talk about the change, the charity, the things that we take for granted today that did not come through paganism, I promise you that. And it did not come through heathenism, but folks, it came through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So even though it doesn't make sense, the church, God through the church, through the gospel, through the word of God, has changed the world. It was God's idea and he knew what he was doing. But wait, somebody says. Preacher, now it's 2023. There's no, you know, I understand that the church worked for then, but you see what's going on now? Does, is God's idea still a good idea? A lot of people don't think so, but I say it is still a good idea, amen? Whatever we're facing in 21st century issues, I'm telling you, God has a plan. And it hasn't changed. Did you know that the Bible calls the church the pillar and ground of truth? How is the truth which sets men, that sets men free, how has it been preserved? How will it be preserved? How will it be propagated? It's not through the universities. It's not through the government. It's not through anything of that nature, folks. It's through local churches. It's through the people of God Almighty. So listen, it's still the church. A, a group of men and women, boys and girls, who are committed to making a difference in our time. The perspective is important as we think about that. However, it's not without its challenges. We will be among, if we will be among the difference makers, we've got to learn to prioritize. And I want to speak to you just a few moments on making room for what matters. And that's the deal with the rocks and such. Making room for what matters. Prioritizing. We are constantly bombarded on every side for things that are begging for our attention begging for our time, things that demand to be added to our lives. You know, the whole basis of marketing is discontentment. What you have isn't good enough. You need this. What you're doing isn't fun enough. You need to try this. It's just all discontentment. And so there's things that are screaming for our attention. See, your life is... I've got these jars up here today. I think about this when it comes to a jar. If this jar represents your life today, one thing that's true about all these jars, that's true about all of our lives, is we've only got so much room in it, for one thing. 
There's only so much room in our lives. I want to tell you something else about our lives. Not only, not only do we only have so much room, this may surprise you, but we, every one of us have room for everything that God wants to put in here. That's hard to believe, isn't it? We're convinced today, we don't have time for this and we don't have time for that. You know, I've got these jars and I'll say more about it in a minute. And many of you may be familiar with the illustration, so just bear with me if you would. You know, I've got the, the rocks this morning, these stones that represent things. They're, they're bigger than these other things. Uh, they're of greater, they represent that which is of greater importance. The stones, the rocks. Then you've got these uh, pellets for the pellet grill. Uh, they, were, they, were, uh, they were less expensive than pea gravel I was going to use. But, um, but we got the, and I can use them. But anyway, the pellets here, uh, these represent things that are important. They have some size to them, but they're, they're not the main things. And then we have the sand here. And the sand represents that, which is even less important. Things that we could probably do without altogether. So I've filled all of these up. That's just filled with air for now, but I filled all of these up just to illustrate something. When you have things that you're, you know, when you think about your life being full, which so many people do, you just don't have room in your life, right? You just, you, you can't fit much more in. I mean, our lives, they're just full. And if we would be honest, I understand that for the most part, our lives are full of things that, uh, it's a mixture. We've got a little bit of everything in our life. But I want to talk about prioritizing this morning. All right? Things that are important, things of less important, the cry of our age. This is interesting to me. I don't know if this is more than it used to be, but I think there may have been a time, even in my lifetime, when I would ask somebody, hey, how you doing? And their response might be, oh, I'm doing pretty well. Things are good, you know. Uh, how are you doing? How's work? Oh, you know, it's not bad. You know, we got this and that going on. But what is the standard response today? How's it going? Nope. Sometimes. But you know what I think I hear more than anything? Busy. Busy. How's work? Busy. How's your family? Busy. Busy, 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 busy. Start paying attention to that. It's almost like some badge, some badge that we wear proudly. I'm busy. That's the way we seem to go with it. Hey, uh, can you help me out? Too busy. Too busy. All right. I'm, I'm just too busy to help out. I'm too busy. I'm just busy, busy. How are the kids doing? Man, I feel like I just run a taxi service busy, right? Uh, but the question still comes, and have you asked yourself the question lately? Who's in control of your life? Who's in control of your life? I think if a lot of, were to be, a lot of us were to be honest, we'd say, my life's out of control. My life's out of control. Uh, you know, this is where I live right now. My life is out of control. And there's two words, important words that I want to introduce and maybe not introduce, but remind you of that needs to be introduced to your vocabulary this year. And one is margin, and the other is balance. 
margin and balance. Leaving some margin in the space of your life. And having some balance in your life. Because when we talk, talk about things that are of greater importance, less importance, and even less importance, there, there can be a balance there. And I'll show you what I mean in just a moment. Margin and balance. You think about this. God does have an order. This is an order that many of us have heard before that we generally try to live by. The very first thing relationship-wise that God ever created was a rela the relationship between Him and man. That's got to be number one. That's got to be a priority in our lives. Okay? So God has a priority. Your relationship with God. I'll ask this again later, but do you know Him today? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Because that's number one. And if you are saved, that's where it all starts. If you don't have time to build and invest and grow in your life with God, you don't have time because you might not be able to fit it in too much because you're too full of other stuff that's not as important. All right? That's kind of what happens. You just don't have much room. But the next thing about that is, then God ordained family, Adam and Eve, in the garden. He gave them kids. So it's God is our priority in relationship, then our family comes next. Now here's where some balance comes in, at, I might add. Let me ask you this question. God first, family second, if you're taking priority, if you're taking notes, does your relationship with God subtract from or add to the relationship with your family? It adds to it. Wait, wait, it can't be because I'm putting God first. Now all of a sudden that means I'm not putting my family first. No, hold on. Because when you put God first, what happens is you, have, you become a better husband. You become a better dad. Yeah, but you know that time I'm spending, you know, investing in my spiritual life in church, in the Bible, praying, all of those things, or doing something for God, you know, that's going to take away from my family. And here's what I just want to say that. I don't think any of us would argue that putting God first adds to our relationship with our family. So then that should be the same with the next statement. Our personal relationship with God. Our family. By the way, uh, there's, there's a priority to that. Uh, there's times that uh, when it comes to the kids, if, if the kids would have, you know, say a sporting activity, and again, I'm, I'm not going to get too deep into this because it it, it's really about priorities. But I know at least for, for me and my house, uh, we're just like uh, Sunday morning, no, that's, you know, whatever. Wednesday uh, depends, but for the most part our kids would be at church, but there would be times that our kids wouldn't be. Or that our kids right after church would have a sporting event going on. So what would I do? Somebody would say, Pastor, I need to talk to you. Later. Later. My son's playing ball. My daughter's running or playing ball. Later. Right? There's, there's times, hey, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. There's times that I'll get a phone call and I don't answer. You want to know why? Because I'm watching a ball game. A football game or a basketball game on TV. Not my kids' game. You say, Pastor, you shouldn't, you shouldn't talk about that since your salary is one of the things in the meeting later today. But here's why. I, it's, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not avoid, I'm not ghosting that call because... I'm watching a football game. I'm doing it because I'm watching a football game with my son. 
I don't think that's that important. Well, that's your business. But this is my business, amen? And so my family comes first, right? But here's where I say that you got to be careful with it. I've known a ton of people. Oh, Ralph, I missed you today. What's going on, man? I thought you was going to be at church, man. I, I, I was counting on you for this or that. Oh, no, you know, you said family before church, preacher. So we decided that we were just going to throw the ball out in the backyard instead today. Oh, okay. So, but, but it doesn't make sense. Because if we put God first, that doesn't take away from our family being next, and our family doesn't take away from the church. It adds to it. Uh, and, and I could say that after raising four kids, we've raised them in church. And it's a family thing. That's what we want to do. You want to celebrate? Let's celebrate at church. Amen. You want to do something? I mean, in other words, I don't look at church as a burden. And I don't look at church as a drudgery. I don't look at church as something, well, I guess we got to do it. No, it's exciting. I want to be a part of it, right? And listen, I understand. And, and if you, I don't want anybody thinking, well, man, I don't always get here. I'm not picking on you about that at all. I'm just saying, uh, we're just putting th- that, that your relationship with your family will not take away from your relationship when it comes to serving God. All right, so... Um, God's plan is a good plan. God has a plan for our life. God has an order. Our lives are His. I think about that jar again. Our lives belong to God. And God has a good plan for our lives. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Put God first. And you know, I don't have a ton of time to go into it, but go read Matthew 6. And you'll find out that if you put God first, the Bible says, take no thought for tomorrow, right? Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about these things. Did you know if you get your priorities in order, you can still be busy and live with less stress? Because you know you're getting the main things as the main things. And and, and then things just kind of fall in order after that. You know... Uh, Paul understood that. And I want to say this, too. This is something I really want to encourage you in. If you're a part of this church, you know one of the things that I really encourage is health. I, I mentioned them already. Balance and margin. If people, I don't want people dreading coming to church because they've been teaching Sunday school for the last 25 years and, uh, and they've never got out of that or, or, or whatever it is. I want you to be able to say, you know what, Pastor, I need a little break. I want to be in the worship service. I want to be, uh, you know, whatever it is. Uh, you know, so we encourage that, right? We encourage people to take breaks. But there's a balance. There's balance and there's margin. Uh, because it does, priority does involve sacrifice. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Paul said, Paul understood priority. He said, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I, I'm thinking about balance, Okay. What does it mean? Because a priority does involve sacrifice. We'll go back to the family. We'll go back to God. If we're putting the big things first, I've been waiting to pull this out, Kevin, and actually, oh, what's that doing there? You know, um, My golf ball. That's a priority. It's one of the big ones, okay? Um, but uh, I, but I, I was just thinking, you know, about the sacrifice of putting God first. Preacher, i got to be at work at such and such a time. Well, you might want to get up a little earlier. That's a sacrifice. 
You know, I, I talked about earlier, uh, chasing your kids around to ball games and, and, and hockey and everything else. There's a sacrifice in that, is there not? There, in our priorities, there's just sacrifice. That's the way it goes. Because what I don't want to do is I don't want you to get in mind this. I, I was thinking about the diamond belt. I'll just use the diamond belt, for instance. Uh, that's, that's, that's not a rodeo belt buckle, and it's not a wrestling belt, okay? It's, it's, it's a place that's in the j- just the right spot of the earth. Below the earth's crust, that there's, a, there's a spot to where the pressure and the heat are just right, and that's where diamonds and gems are created, or were created. That's where they were, right there. If it's too close to the earth's surface, there's not enough pressure. There's not enough heat. If it's too close to the, to the core, too much pressure, too much heat, they can't form. But there's a certain spot to where there's pressure and there's heat, but it's just right. And it's just right enough to form gems and diamonds. And the point that I want to make today is, for some of us, in serving the Lord, oops, A little bit too much pressure. I think I'm out of this. I felt pressure, preacher. I felt a little heat. It hadn't been. I thought this was going to be a dream all the way, and so far it's not. I'm out. You know, I think about about the idea of that. But what happens is when people get out, somebody says this, for instance, like, man, I don't, this, this isn't always very fun. I don't think I want to do this anymore. As if everybody else thinks it's fun. You ever think about others? Sometimes we step off and it's like, well, do you really think that other people like that? It's not always easy is the point I'm trying to make. There is sacrifice involved. Uh, I I think about this. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. I was thinking about this the other day, right? God loves a cheerful giver. Well, God does not say if you're not, and by the way, the word cheerful there means hilarious. It means that at the thought of giving, you're just like, oh, boy, I'll tell you what. Woo, man! God loves that. But then somebody says, uh, well, but, but, but don't. So if you're not that way, you better not give because it's not sincere. No, because God says to give. It's just like love. How, where should I live as a Christian? I should live in the, with my main motivation being love. Agreed? The things I do, the things that I don't do, ought to be love. But there's other times that there's some things I haven't done because I'm thinking, I know if I did that, God would kill me. There's been, there's been, time, there's been times I've been hunting and I'm looking at a nice deer on that other side of that fence. I've never done it. Uh... But I've I've thought about it, and I wasn't sitting there thinking to myself, you know, well, there's a beautiful, great-sized buck there on the other side of that fence line. But, you know, I know the Bible says that we ought to obey the laws of the land as long as they don't interfere with the laws of God. And, Lord, I love you so much I could never dream of shooting that buck. No. That's good. But what really comes into mind is, man, I used to have a good buddy that was a game warden. And he said, we're around with spotting scopes and we see you. And what I imagine is not, God's going to be so disappointed if I shoot that deer. What I think is if I shoot that deer, I'm going to get busted sure as the world. 
or else I would shoot that sucker. If I knew, if I knew I wouldn't get caught, that sucker's going down. Right? The, the thing I'm talking about is sacrifice and motivation and stuff. Uh, we don't do stuff. And so, listen, I still encourage people, and I'll continue to do so. It's one of our core values. We enjoy serving Jesus. I believe in taking breaks, but I don't want you to think, you know, you decide that you're going to uh, host a connection group, you know, a Bible study of some sort. I was thinking about it yesterday, Ralph. Uh, I was going to tease a little bit. It, it didn't start off great, but then it, it turned out just fine. But I was running a little bit late to the breakfast, and if you men don't know about this, please see, Ralph. We're not trying to keep it from anybody. Uh, but we have some times like that that we get together. And I got there, and it was Ralph, and it was a brother from another church, not even from this one. And I was, I was just about to say to Ralph, I'm like, well, Ralph, I guess that's, that's it for this, isn't it? Well, I did it, and nobody from the church showed up. Did you know this church wouldn't be here if that was the philosophy I live by? We, hey, for those that don't know, we started this church, right? My, my wife and I, we didn't know anybody here. Uh, the first church service, man, we had like, you know, close to 30 people from the community. So that was encouraging, but we did have services to where there was either no one or next to no one there. I shouldn't say that because I don't want to say somebody's next to no one if there's one person there, but you understand what I'm saying. It could have been like, well, I, this is hard. You know, this is difficult. It, but no, it, it, you know, the, the diamond belt is an example. The same principle applies to the Great Barrier Reef. If you study why the Great Barrier Reef is such an amazing reef with so much uh, abundance and wildlife and variety, it's because it's in a sweet spot. It's in a place to where it gets storms and it gets hit, but there's also a balance of not getting hit too hard. And what I'm saying is, when you serve God, you're going to get hit. You're going to feel the pressure. You're going to feel the heat. Mark it down. You see these people standing up in here that's serving God? I want you to know something they felt, pressure and heat. And if you say, well, man, I'd like to do something for God, you're going to feel pressure and heat. But God knows how to just allow it to be the right amount of pressure and heat. The Great Barrier Reef is the same example. Other reefs aren't as awesome because of that. Um, and, 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 and I, man, I've got to give these quickly here. I, I think about priority. I'll give these to you super quick here. The priority of worship over worries. Priority of worship over worry. Luke 10, 38 through 42, Martha had work as her priority. Mary had worship as her priority. Now, don't, I'm, I'm glad my wife's not in here right now because people always look at my wife. Yeah, Melanie, you need to. You know, I know sometimes we're just teasing around. But when we, sometimes when we speak, we, we, we spend so much time speaking to people, it, it hinders God speaking to people. All right? And I understand, I like to joke around as much as the next guy. But in all reality, listen, Martha had service first. Jesus said, service needs to be there, but Mary's chosen the better part, which is worship. So worship over worries, contentment over covetousness, surrender over slavery, in other words, idolatry, faith over fear, faithfulness over being fickle. You know, we could just go right down the line of, of, of other things. But the point I want to try to make today is this, uh, eternity, uh, priorities. I want to get back to priorities, and I'm going to try to close with this, with this illustration. I, d I have four folders on my computer, and, uh, and I haven't actually put a lot in there, but I keep them there as a reminder. Four folders of priorities, okay? Very first question I've got is, what does God want from me? That's number one. Number two, what does my family need from me? 
These next two could be put in either order. What do people want from me? And what do I want to do? But when we get those priorities out of whack, again, it gets our life out of whack. What does God want from me? What does my family need from me? What do I want to do? What do people want me to do? Not everything, you know, as, as, as I think about this, there's an example in the book of Joshua 17. I'm not going to preach about it. But all throughout this, I've been kind of, you know, playing with the rocks a little bit and the sand and the, and the uh, pellets. But as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about Joshua 17 also. In Joshua 17, there was a group of people that, you know what they said? We don't have room. We can't fit anything else. We do not have room to expand in this land. Joshua come to them and said, you've got plenty of room. But you've got to cut down the trees to make room. And the great example there is this. There's nothing wrong with trees. Joshua didn't say, by golly, if you get them trees, those sinful, wicked trees out of your life and get right with God, then, then you know. They're just trees. Nothing wrong with them. They're just in the way. And some of us just have things that are just in the way. And, and, and my illustration that I guess I'll try to get to giving you this morning is the thought of this. These are full jars today. There's not that much more you can put in any of them. But when it comes to the bigger things, you know, when you, when you put the bigger things in first, some of you probably know this illustration. That rock might mess up my illustration, but we'll get back to that. When you put the bigger things first, how many of these rocks do you think would fit in here? Maybe two or three. But now, I put the big things first, priorities, and then, guess what? Now, I begin to put in some other things. I, I was talking about balance earlier. You know what I believe can be a priority? Your health. But now, me trying to be an Adonis and spending two or three hours in the gym, well, that's probably over here, over here somewhere. But if I put God first, I, I got room for it. Health is up here high. Somebody says, well, therefore, I'm going to go nuts in the gym. You might just, just stay active. Try to eat a little better, right? I believe that's a priority. I really do. Somebody says, I'm going to the extreme. Well, that might be over here. But you might have room for it. You know, you start putting that in. In other words, you get other stuff. Is this illustration going to work, Danny? You get other stuff, and you get some room in there. You got to shake it, shake it, shake it. I did this experiment, and it worked really good yesterday. Lord, help me. I'm going to look like a fool. Um, but you can get more in there, all right? But then not only that, I was thinking about things like social media. Can I just say this? Um, you need to, some of you need to change the notifications you get on your phone. Why do we got to be omnipresent all of a sudden? Uh, you know, uh, quit getting notifications for social media. Just take that off your notifications. Oh, somebody liked my post. Somebody, who cares? Hey, listen, you can fit it in. There's room for it, but fit it in later. It's not a priority. You know, leisure, and again, I, I, video games, whatever it is. I mean, when you put God first, it's amazing all the other stuff that you can put in. If you get the big things in first order, you can fit in some of the other size things. You know, and, and, and you see the, the point that I'm trying to make. But I'll tell you one thing. The moment that you start filling your life, sorry, DJ, uh, herbs clean this week. But, I mean, it just keeps going. I could still get more in there. 
I've got room. But the moment you start getting out of order and putting a bunch of stuff in your life that don't matter, that's when you get in trouble. Priorities. And just for the closing part here today, I did think about those that may vacuum, and it probably should be me today. And I appreciate Megan Benton. These are her jars, all right? Uh, and don't tell her, but this one broke, okay? During the budget meeting today, I'm putting jars in for a budget category for uh, uh, these, this. But, uh, but, but these jars. But here's what I want to show you how some of you may be in your life right now. You don't know what to put in your life. And you keep putting stuff in your life, but you're putting dead religion. Maybe you're putting drugs and alcohol. Maybe you're just putting... Uh, you know, entertainment, leisure, maybe that's what you're putting in your life. But here's what happens. You start getting your life filled up, and it's like you stay full for a while, and it's like, yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. This is awesome. This is great. Man, this is exciting. But what happens? It just leaks out, and you're empty again. And so you're like, well, man, it worked last time. Let me put some more in there. So it's like, let's go out. Let's party, man. Let's do whatever. But what's it do? It just keeps leaking out. But when you put something important in there, no, sorry, let me see. Um, <laughs> it ain't going to plug that hole. I wish it would. But, but you get the idea. A lot of people are just empty, and you keep trying to put junk in your life, but it just keeps leaking out. Because until you know Christ as your Savior, you're never going to know what it's like to be full. Can I say this? I have, I could do a lot more for God, so please don't misunderstand the statement that I'm making right now. But I surrendered to preach the gospel, preach my very first message, you ready for this? 27 years ago. Yes, I was three years old. Uh, no, I was, I was, uh, Older than that, 17, 18 years old, 19 maybe. Um, but I surrendered to preach my very first message. I sur surrendered for the ministry. And I said, you know what? This is, this is what God wants me to do. I'm making ministry a priority. I'm, I'm making raising my family uh, in, in, in the things of God a priority. And people say, poor old Jesse, his life's full of so much of that stuff. But I, can I tell you something? Don't feel sorry for me because i got plenty of room. God's given me plenty of margin. I can fit a bunch of other things in my life. I've got room for some things that aren't quite as important that I can enjoy. And I can have leisure. Why? Because when you put the main things first, the big things first, there's room for more. But when you put the bad things first, you just run out of room. You just run out of room. In closing, I just want to share this, this, these two passages because uh, it's just a Lexi uh, Clemmy. Uh, one of the young ladies that got saved in this church is in college right now. She said she'd be watching this morning. But she had shared these verses on the Bible app uh, yesterday, and I said, that's kind of along the lines of what I'm preaching. I think I'll share those verses. So I'm going to share those verses. And one is Proverbs 21, 17, where the Bible says, He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. He that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. Proverbs 21, 21, He that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life, righteousness, and honor. And so, priorities. Oh, and I forgot to tell you, too, by the way, I can fit golf in there. It fits. Fits right in there. Uh, and so, let's all stand this morning. I appreciate your patience.
But I want to ask you today, you know, where do you stand? What matters to you? What's number one in your life? What's number one in your heart? Do you know Christ today? Is everything you're trying just leaking out? Man, you might need Jesus today. And He'll save you and change you. But otherwise, listen, I'm not, I'm not up here trying to tell you what your priorities are. I mean, some are pretty clear. God, you know, making sure you're saved, your family, your relationship with God. Uh, besides that, when I, even when I'm trying to share with you things that I have prioritized, I'm not saying that you've got to prioritize all the same things. And, and I'm not telling you you've got to do them in the same way. All I'm telling you is consider it. Who's running your life? Who's in control? Who's the one that's making the call of what's going in there and what's going out? You know, if you begin to take some of the other things out and, and put other things in, you might see God bless and you might see that you have plenty of room to live a full life for God. Are you worried today? Are you stressed out? That's not the way God wants you to live. It really ain't. And it's okay to be busy. I understand being busy. I've tried to almost quit saying it because uh, I hear it so much. But there's nothing wrong with it. But the thing is, is are you... This verse, really, one of the very first verses that came to my mind, and it'll be the, the last one I share with you. It's in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, I think. That's on my notes that are in the box there now. But, but there it says, Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work what sort it is. To give you some background on that as briefly as I possibly can, God basically compares the things that we do for Him in this life after we're saved to materials. And He's trying to give an example. Wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stones. And he's given the example that if those things were to go through the fire of judgment, what would be left of wood and hay? In other words, it's kind of pointing out like the sand. It's stuff that matters. Does it really matter? But I want to make my life count for God. Is I guess what I'd want to say. My closing illustration would be from a man. I believe it's Francis Beverly Shea. I believe it was his name. George Beverly Shea. He was a man that had so much talent that he could have become a very, very famous singer back many, many years ago. Could have become a wealthy, famous man. Uh, and many people were pushing that way. He was very gifted, sing, just a gifted voice. And uh, one day his mom put a little poem on the piano in their family room. And it was a poem that said, I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. And God got a hold of his heart, and that's a hymn that you can find and still sing today. And, he made, and that became kind of his life song. But he said, you know what? I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I mean, in other words, George Beverly Shea got it. And you know what I know what God did? God made him kind of famous for Jesus. He was Billy Graham's companion for many, many years, going around singing with him and winning souls for Christ, traveled the world, but it's because he'd rather have Jesus. I don't know about you today, but I'd rather have Jesus. I really would. Uh, balance. Man, we got to have a job. We need money to live on, right? But we get out of balance when it becomes everything, right? There's just so many things that we could say, and I won't say anymore.
Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. I don't know the people's hearts here today, Lord. I appreciate their patience, Lord. I trust you and your word to do the work, the Holy Spirit to do the work. Lord, I just pray that you'll help us, God, to learn to prioritize. Learn to prioritize. We can make room for the things that matter and have plenty of room for other things. Just help us to prioritize, Lord. And I pray, God, that you'll help us with that. I pray, God, there's anybody here today that's not saved. Lord, how I pray that they'll see their need for you, Lord Jesus. You went to the cross. You died on the cross and rose again the third day that they might be saved, that their sins might be forgiven. And I pray right now you'll help them to call on your name. And I thank you for your grace and mercy and saving power, for it's in Jesus' name I pray.